Welcome to the Men of Magic, an interview podcast that gets into the lives of your favorite Magic the Gathering personalities, with your hosts, Robert Martin and Chris Otlow. And now, the Men of Magic begins. Welcome to another episode of Men of Magic. I'm here this week with a foreign innovator. He has managed to take, or I should say, revitalize Canadian magic back to a place it should be. He has one of the most popular podcasts out there, and now he's working on making a second podcast as popular as his first one. Uh, The A-Team has been groundbreaking as far as no-holes-barred magic commentary. He is the ringleader of this chaotic group of four. Uh, I effectively know him as the silent assassin. You all know him as KYT. Say hello. How's it going, everyone? Um, Rob, I have to say, like like everyone else, like you did for Joey, I'm I'm very humbled by your uh, description of my accomplishments. <laughs> well, let's start with that, because right away, you had a goal for this. I mean, it looked like from the beginning, you said your goal was to make Man Deprived the place to go for Canadian magic. And literally, it started with just you. Right. And I think my goal is, uh, at the beginning was never to just make Canadian magic big. It's just to make magic as a whole more popular, sort of like what Chapin's doing uh, with his own thing and his own endeavors. I sort of feel like it's only... Uh, it only feels good to be good at a game or, or to pursue something, continue playing a game, if other people are playing with you. I think uh, it's well known by my podcast listeners that I used to be a serious chess player, but as the years gone by, I was the only one that was still playing, that was reading the books. You know, people get bored about it. And for Magic, I just wanted to get more and more people interested in it, and or else, you know, the, the future of the game is... Uh, a lot of us have an impact on it. Um, maybe a lot of us don't realize this, but the fact that Wizards has like increased number of GPs next year, let's say, you know, it's due to a lot of the player base, like the fact that it's growing, and and that is really important for me. And I felt the main way I could contribute to that was not to make a site that uh, had to find a niche. And I felt there was a, definitely a hole in terms of Canadian magic after the old group of elite players had, had decided to leave the game. Guys like someone that you interviewed, uh, Gary Wise. Since and he you interviewed. To, right. Since he decided to, and all those great players, because Gary told me at one point Canada, maybe it was a short period of time, but Canada was like at the top of the magic world in terms of uh, the, the group of elite players that they had. And they just like went, you know, grow, grew out of the game, and uh, it's been a while since, and Jeff Cunningham, one of the most famous magic writers, you know, he doesn't actively play anymore, so that's where I came in, basically. It's difficult designing a website, and it's difficult maintaining it and keeping it up and keeping it informative. Explain to the people how difficult it was just to get the site going, all the things you've added to it, and how difficult it's been to do that. It's been extremely difficult. I mean, I think that's why you have most people who go into this, don't end up focusing on becoming a great player anymore. I think a lot of editors just focus on that as a job, or, or they just podcast they, their aspirations to be, become a pro tour player or a world champion just takes, um, <laughs> they push it to the side, And whereas I still have that aspiration, so it's been a tough challenge. I mean, to start off, you, you 
I think motivation has been the the big thing for me. Um, usually writers, they get discouraged once they don't have any feedback. Right? They need people to comment on their articles or they're, they just don't won't ship you another article. And that's really hard coming from a site that's just starting out. Like, how are you going to get people to leave comments if you're just a startup site? So that was the main challenge is to get writers and, and to have time for me to edit those articles and, and write articles for myself. It's just like finding people who will write for free for you for a site that they know isn't going to get a lot of exposure to start with. <laughs> so um, that was the challenge at the beginning, to find material. And, you know, I'm, I'm sure my, my good friend Jesse on the A-Team has the same challenges um, he's been the main contributor for his his site and, you know, have been having trouble finding people to give him weekly content. The success of the site, now that you've managed to pull in the majority of the people that are successful on the Canadian tour, what has that been like for you, the feedback you've been getting from it? Because now you're getting videos and all sorts of fun stuff. Um, it's It's been great. I mean, to to have the strong players believe in what I'm doing. I mean, the entire Canadian national team were, were excited to be part of the Man of the Prive project, and um, that's extremely exciting. And, and going into nationals this year, I'm going to know most, if not all, the players there, and, and it just feels like it's like a family event or something. I don't know how to describe it, but it's going to be a lot of fun. Like, I know all of them, and it's like we're, we're an entire team, and I'll be happy to see whoever uh, gets to the top. What is left to do on the site to make it bigger? What do you think is left to do? Well, that's a great question. I think we still are missing that one key pro that has broken through uh, on the Pro Tour. I and mean, we have a great national champion, JLR, who's back-to-back national champion, who's been on the gravy train for um, a few years now, but he doesn't actively write or actively... He's so busy with his life, and so we still need that um, super dedicated Canadian person to, to break through and who also wants to contribute to my site, obviously. Yeah, that's a key element. I mean, if, if we went back in time, I, w- I would hopefully be able to, to grab, you know, a Gary Wise type or something, but now we don't have that Canadian supers. You'd be hard pressed to ask like a random American player, you know, who the best Canadian player is. Like, there's no defining person. I think that's what's missing, like star power. Whereas, you know, Channel Fireball, you know exactly LSV. That's the face of their franchise. You you look at Star City. You have Patrick Chapin. You have Jerry Thompson. Those are the faces of that franchise. I'm sort of still the creator. I don't consider myself like the main superstar, of course, uh, until I win a big one. So I think that that's what's still missing. Or who else do you want to add to the team that you haven't yet for the website? Hmm. That's an interesting question. Um, well, I think our budget sort of limits us. I mean, no uh, kidding. <laughs> Adam Yurchik was, was part of our team, and, and he certainly is, is a very close, consider him a close MTG friend of mine, and, you know, he had, he had a great offer from TCG player. So don't blame him for going there. 
Um, we had, you know, sort of an agreement with Billy Moreno, but he, you know, recently got a job with Wizards, so I don't foresee him contributing yeah. to us anytime soon. I wish him the best of luck. And, you know, anybody I would want is, you know, beyond the price range. And it, it's really going to come down to uh, one of us that that is part of the project from the beginning and who who really wants to see it happen. And I try to make it not a KYT site. I try to make it, you know, a Canadian site where uh, other people can feel like they're part of the team and not uh, – I think that's the only way that you're going to be able to keep people is to um, – because it can't be, like, a sol- seen as a solo project, and, it, and it's definitely not. If there's one person outside of yourself who's done real well lately – who do you think that person will be that will make that breakout move? If you had to make a prediction. Uh, prediction as who I, out of everyone on my team, basically? Yes, yes. Well, wow, that's going to be pretty, uh, <laughs> if the whole team listens to this cast, I'm going to get killed by no, the no, others. No, 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 but okay, it, well, let me rephrase the question. Who on your team will be the first one to make the breakthrough? Because from there, once usually, it kind of falls like dominoes. Once one person starts doing well, everybody kind of falls in line. And they all kind of excel then because now the bar has been raised. Right. So who, I, who outside of yourself, which we'll get into later on? I'm going to have to say my, my good friend, Alex Hain. Um, I've always said this, but he's, I don't know, talking to him and, and just discussing plays with him, I consider him the smartest, uh, one of the smartest pe- players I know. After talking to Drew Leving <laughs> on my cast, we're going to have to, I'm going to have to readjust that list, and Alex knows this. <laughs> uh, Drew is just in- extremely intelligent. Um, but Alex, you know, his background, he was one of the best chess players in the country. So in terms of intelligence and gaming, he's got it all. And, you know, he's finished ninth at many various PTQs and various events, and it's just a matter of time, I think, as long as he doesn't get discouraged. And that's what happens to a lot of players. You know, th- there's still a lot of frustration, and that's something that, you know, that sort of rubs me the wrong way about, uh, about certain players. Uh, and I just hope he doesn't get frustrated about the game to, to give up before he finally breaks through. When you push so hard and you invest the time and the effort and you come up tiebreakers short, how do you talk to them and get them to refocus on what the goal is? Well, that's really hard. Um, I think, although I'm the owner of the team or whatever, I, I don't foresee myself as the captain yet, although they call me that. <laughs> Um, I think it's really hard because Magic players are just really set in their ways of of thinking. They they may understand that there's a lot of variance in the game, and you know I've seen people who who, who get really angry and, and they're like, yeah, I know I know the game is supposed to be like that, but yet you know their emotions clearly t- tell me that they don't fully understand. Um, so like I, I played against AJ Soccer and Jerry Thompson and. Both times in, in game one, I'd have to multiply and, and lose. But if you were to ask them, I, I showed absolutely zero sign of, of being pissed off or mad. I think for me, the, the, the best book that I've read in the last year or two was The Last Lecture. I don't know if you heard about that book, Rob, at all. Uh, no, I apologize. I haven't. Okay. It's, well, it's not that super popular anyway, but it's about, you know, a guy who, who, Discovered that he had pancreatic cancer and, and he had, and he's like a lecturer, he's a professor, he gave a lecture. And one of the key quotes that he, he had that, that's, 
basically how I live my life, how I view magic is like you can't, you don't control. I can't, I'm not going to say the exact quote because I don't have it in front of me, but like you can't control the cards that you're dealt, only how you play the hand. And that's how I, I view life and everything and, and magic. And that's how I don't get frustrated. It's, you just got to put your, like people say this a lot, you put yourself in the position to be lucky. Right, you you just have to. If you just give up, you're never gonna be lucky to get there. You, I mean, you need to be lucky to win a PTQ. You need to be. You just gotta go to the tournaments and just keep going at it. And eventually, uh, if you're a solid player, you will get there. Now let's talk a little bit about you. That's what we're talking about. Right. <laughs> you have managed to qualify for Canadian Nationals. Yep. You were awfully excited about it. What was that moment when you knew you were gonna qualify for Canadian Nationals? What did it feel like? It felt amazing. It, this isn't the first year, I think. I, I went on Manuscript last year talking about how I was in a queue by rating, and I was really excited about that. I mean, it's for me, it's the defining tournament, although people view it as just a big PTQ, right? Because the top three slots go to Worlds, so you can see it as just like, you know, just a big PTQ. But coming from my chess background, where I view things as, regionals, nationals. Like it meant something to be the national champion. It meant something to be like the best player and then nationals go to worlds. You know, actually I at some at one point a few years ago I didn't even care about PTQs. I didn't even know what Pro Tours meant. I mean this the, the whole concept was sort of alien to me. You know, I know what worlds meant. It meant being a world champion. So like the nationals is always a close place to my heart. Like being on that Canadian team would mean the absolute world to me. So um, I'm going to do whatever it takes to, to make it there. So would it officially be the end of Canadian magic if you got that? <laughs> I think it'd be the beginning of Canadian magic, Robert. <laughs> oh, the rebirth of Canadian magic? Is that what you're trying to say? <laughs> yeah, the rebirth. <laughs> so let's, let's put the cart before the horse. It's one of my favorite sayings. <laughs> Let's say you're on that team, and you're sitting across the table from another set of teams. Oh, God. <laughs> what what country would you least like to play against and why? Wow. Because it's probably not going to be America, because more than likely every time, very rarely is there a top pro on the American team, except for last year. More really? times than not, it's three people that are trying to make it there. There's a country that typically puts out good players out there. Who would you not want to face? I'm thinking just because, not not want to face, because I think most likely to be a, uh, to think that I'm outmatched would probably still be the U.S. because of how the game has grown, right? I, I would have to assume that they're going to put out a great team next year and, I mean, this coming year. But at the same time, they're probably going to have players that I'm going to know. And and so, in, like, maybe Thompson's going to make it. Adam Yurchik is going to make it. Then, you know, I'd love, more than love to play against them. Um, but usually the winner is always some, I don't remember off the top of my head who won last year. Don't ask me, I don't remember. <laughs> but I remember two years ago. When no one expected them to win, China ended up winning. So, and I believe Canada actually finished ahead of the U.S. last year. And so it's like, it's pretty random, these uh, the, the results, it seems, as 
ends, ends up. So I definitely want to face uh, any of them and actually – more, I'd love to face the U.S. just because I'd probably know who I'm against. Like if it's LSV in front of me, if it's Raptor, if it's you know, Big Head Joe in front of me. You know, I'd love to. Okay, okay, that would be the official <laughs> end of American Magic. <laughs> no, that would be the end of American Magic for sure. They might if cancel was, Magic. Period. It's done. <laughs> I think if the U.S. national team is Joey Pasco, Big Head Joe, and John Medina. <laughs> We're looking at a pretty funny team there. You're looking at a pretty funny team, but you might be looking at the first team never to win a game in Magic in the history of Magic. <laughs> Actually, I think knowing Joey as a as he gives off the impression that he's like a super hardcore control player, I'm gonna give him the benefit of doubt so he doesn't uh, tweet at me later. <laughs> but but uh, John will always be the knowledgeless fool that only trades cards to me, so. <laughs> That would be a funny team. That would turn, oh, that would turn the Twitter universe upside down. Oh, man. <laughs> along, along with a lot of pros going, what just happened here? <laughs> I think at some point, you know, you, you um, I think you bring up an interesting point uh, on another topic is that I generally, I don't know if it happens to everyone, I would imagine sometimes get intimidated by the known players. I mean, maybe it was a coincidence that this past weekend I only lost to two, you know, the two elite players in terms of the SEG circuit. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it will still happen if I'm up against, like, a John Finkel. I mean, there's going to be that slight intimidation. But as you play more and more pros, you know, you get used to it. You talked about... Boston a little bit. What made you decide to go? Hey, I think this is going to be a funny answer because it's the closest to uh, <laughs> to Canada, I guess, to the north of the border. Um, but obviously, other than that, is to I actually really wanted to to see Jerry again uh, and Drew to meet Drew um, because in GP Toronto, I basically uh, we oh we met there. Yes, we did. And, you know, I only got to say hi to Jerry. Made made a silly, we just made a silly joke about, because he wrote an article about me, how I leaked Japanese tech to him uh, for, for Amsterdam. And, you know, me and Alex and him, we just mentioned how it's his fault that Japanese assassins are out to get me. And we were trying to hide me from Shuhei Nakamura and other <laughs> Japanese pros. Um, but then I, I didn't talk to him much after the event, and he, and he tweeted at me or messaged me, like, where were you? Like, uh, we didn't, uh, where were you the rest of the time? So, you know, I really wanted to connect with him. But the problem is, you know, you're never really going to talk that much with someone at an event. If you're doing, especially if you're playing Cobblade, you're going to go to time, and, like, there's really no downtime for you to sit down and be like, hey, Jerry, what's up? Where are you up to, etc." And, you know, it happened again where there was not, much to say between me and him, but uh, he gave me a hug before I left, so that was awesome. You said you were hugging people like crazy up there. I was hugging Joey like crazy because I think it means a lot to me that me and him, and actually John Medina, us three, we, as far as I remember, us specifically us three, we got we each had our own blog 
and we each knew each other on Twitter and were chatting to each other somehow before we each went our separate ways and, and became big. And obviously those two are, are more famous and more popular than I am. But the fact that we, we met before we each went our separate uh, ways was has always meant a lot to me. And so to see Joey for the first time, and he just hugged me, like, really fast. And uh, that really meant a lot. And he, he was always behind the booth and always talking. He had, like, z- almost zero time, but uh, took most of his break on day two to chat with me. And that, that meant a lot. He just seems to be one of those generally nice people that you deal with in Magic, and as I've gotten more associated with the people at Magic, that there's been such a close-knit, kind of friendly kind of community out there. I mean, you guys have had, we'll talk about the A-Team a little bit, but you also spent, like, what, ten episodes joking about Patrick Chapin being on the show? (laughs) I don't think Patrick Chapin would have one bit of problem with it. I think he'd probably laugh at it and think it's hilarious. Right. Most people, if you would do stuff like that, they'd get highly offended and be like, well, what are you doing? What are you saying about me? And so on and so forth. <laughs> to have that kind of freedom to be able to just kind of be able to do that and have people realize that, no, you're not being a real pain in the ass. You're just being real. It's got to be a lot of fun. Definitely. Where the podcasting began, how in the world did you pull those three people together to make the A-Team a go. Yeah, it's it's kind of interesting. I think everyone has their own specific talent at, as to what uh, they do in terms of magic. You know, you can be a great podcaster. You can be a great interviewer, a great deck brewer. I just consider myself like someone who brings a team together or like a community builder, just like how I build man deprived and, and, and this. So I really sought to make a Canadian podcast and made a call on Twitter, you know, who's interested. And the reason I wanted to do a podcast, I felt there was a lack of them at the time where you'd have top eight magic was just by far the most listened to podcast. And it wasn't regularly out there, and this was before UMTG Taps was put on SCG, and they were also the, the, I think at the time, the only cast that I listened to, before I was introduced to Manuscript, of course, and, oh, um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> don't forget about us, yes. <laughs> so I put a call there, and I had this vision in my head to have four people, something that I think other casts have done, but, like, I didn't know that at the time, so, so I, I heard UMTG Taps, there were two people, Top 8 Magic is Mike Flores and BDM, usually two people again. So really, I'm like, let's, let's try something with four. And sent out a tweet, and Scott and Jay were interested. And even though Jesse was American, he, I really admired him. And I think I've told him many times that maybe he thinks I'm just kissing his ass or something. But the fact that he started 60 cards shortly after I started Mana Deprived, and I had experience starting sites before Man of Prime, and I knew how hard it was if you didn't have a group of people with you uh, that was going to help you. And he just, like, wanted to start that site on his own. I'm like, you know, I want this guy on the podcast. And I've only heard Scott on guest on UNTG Tabs. I've only heard Jay, like, tweet like a complete idiot on Twitter. 
So like no no expectations as to like how they would sound on the mic. Like that particular night, I mean Jay got the headset that day, so it would be the first night I would actually hear their voices. Oh boy. So it's not like I knew that this would work. And but after the first episode, I don't just don't know how. It turned out to to be magical or something because we had no star power, even though Jesse had his own site. I was still relatively unknown. Scott and Jay, I think, weren't known at all. I mean, even though Jay's famous for swearing and whatever, being completely uncensored. And so I guess the chemistry was that strong uh, in people's eyes from episode one that, that it was, was able, we were able to keep going. And now we're in, in the high 30s now or something like that. And, but really it was just asking people who were interested. And I had people that, other people that were interested, but I, they weren't available that night. So sometimes you just get lucky. Maybe like if I had chosen to work with other people, it wouldn't have worked that way. So, no, like luck is a huge factor in anything. I feel. Where now, you guys? I mean, obviously your relationship with Jerry T has been well documented, and and also you can consider yourselves the. Uh, slingshot point for one John Medina. <laughs> I'm still waiting for you to personally claim the fact that you reshot John Medina's star off to the great heights it has and why he isn't giving you a cut of <laughs> the profits from his articles. Uh, I've yet to figure that one out yet. But he, he did tell me, though, that one of the reasons... I'm not sure if I... I don't know, he's fine. Um, one of the reasons he's, he's become so popular is because of the podcast, because people hear hear him, and it's like, wow, this guy sounds likable. And that's my impression of John when I listen to his voice. It's like, wow, this guy seems like such a cool or, in his words, legit dude. And, you know, that obviously helped his popularity. And, and I feel in the podcasting world, uh, he's one of the more – like guys that people want to listen to. So, you know, we, I guess we helped him get into this by, by having him guest star, but he did get his gig before the, the A team. So, um, I take no credit for, for his success in terms of, uh, getting that Star City Games gig. It was totally him, 100%. Oh, bah. <laughs> take full credit for it, and that, that means he'll have to bow down and give mercy to you. I'll take credit for him starting the untapped cast, though. Okay. <laughs> Definitely. Medina equals ratings. Right. But there could be too much Medina. <laughs> could be too much? <laughs> there could be. Okay, because you guys talked about it, like, whenever he was on, your ratings would, like, almost double with the amount of downloads. Right. What do you think he brings to a podcast that makes people just latch on to it? I think in general people love it when we have a special guest just to see how the A-team and all its uncensored nature interacts with the guest. Um, but John does bring, you know, a, you know, his fi- financial knowledge is something that no other guest that we've had bring to the table. He's also extremely funny. I mean, he plays off Jay really, really well in terms of all the Mexican jokes, and he takes shots really well on the show, and and it's just a fun and great time. And um, 
anytime he's on, like, people are excited just to hear, because they expect, you know, either Scott or Jay or even Jesse to just lock horns with him, and, you know, that's what usually happens, and I think that's why it's been so popular. But, uh, you know, our guests in general, it's like Jerry Thompson, when he was first on, I believe, or episode number one player of the world, was the most popular episode. So I think people just love it when they put the A-team, like the regular show, and now there's like this guess, you know, what's going to happen? <laughs> you obviously enjoy doing this, and you enjoy it so much you've come up with a second podcast. Why did you start a second podcast? I started a second podcast because I felt like anytime I see a niche that could be filled, I just cons- I just think about it. And first of all, the, the A-team, as I've said on other shows maybe, I was never meant to be on the show itself in my vision. I wanted to help something move along. I feel magic players in general are lazy than, than any other game. Like, you know, I'm not, <laughs> they're, they're notoriously lazy. That's why it's taken so long for someone to start a Canadian website. <laughs> so I just want to, to inspire four people to, to start a cast and then leave the show. Um, but, the other three really wanted me to stay, and so I'm stuck there. And so the legacy cast, I also have <laughs> been trying to find four other people to start this. Like Alex Hain and numerous other Manage Deprived members have been asking to, to, to do a cast with me. And I'm like, why don't you just start one yourself? Like, why do I have to be in this? And so eventually... <laughs> It got to the point to like where nothing, or I saw no one really gonna take the initiative and start one. I'm like, okay, I'm gonna have to do this. <laughs> so I got Alex, I got Frankie, and John was actually our first guest, but he was so good, and his he has financial knowledge in terms of legacy prices, and he actually loves leg- legacy and actively plays it every week. That he was a natural fit. For the show now, the reason I didn't want to be on the show, so like it's just unhuman, as you would know, to do multiple casts during a week, especially when I do it on back-to-back days. So if the first show I give it my all, I feel it's unfair for for the the show I do later in the week, if I feel like I've exhausted all the material, and then I also have to be careful not to say the same things. I you know I want to be unique, you know, people to get. Obviously, a lot of people who listen to the A-Team also listen to Crazy Talk. Yes. So they have to get different KYT information. They can't have me say, I love Cobblade on both shows. So that's also a challenge, but it, it came down to niche. And I feel like how I started Man Deprived, I picked the Canadian angle, and that's why I feel I'm more successful than some of the other blogs is because they don't, they can't carve out a niche. They just have a personal blog about, you know, what decks they've played at FNM, et cetera, et cetera. And you just have to give people a reason to check it out. And I feel John, obviously, with his star power, helped that with crazy talk. <laughs> the fun thing about those podcasts, what has been the what has been the reward for you for doing these podcasts personally? Have you have you gained more knowledge? Have you has your passion for the game increased? What is it? Wow, that's such a deep question, Robert. That's a great question. I think there's a lot of things. 
Um, since I'm usually the silent assassin on these shows, because I think the problem, and I, fans will be surprised of mine that listen to this interview, because I'm rambling more than I ever have on any other show. Which is exactly why I wanted you on, to make sure people (laughs) actually knew that, yes, he actually can talk. (laughs) It's because I always worry. I find, when I listen, I never want someone to ramble too much. And so I try so hard not to be that person that I may may have taken it too far. Um, And just like, that's why people think I need to talk more, but I'm just like so careful about that, that, you know, I don't talk that much. But as for what I get out of it, I feel sort of like how when you're teaching someone something, you become better at it. You can, you know, you can put into words exactly why you think a deck is good. Instead of saying, you know, a lot of people that I know, even great players will be like, this card sucks. If you ask them why, they'll be like, because it sucks. And then, you know, they don't really understand why that card sucks then. And but on the show you have to really give the listeners information. It's also come as motivation for me to do well because no one I feel no one wants to listen to a bunch of okay, unless they're really funny <laughs> a bunch of underperforming guys that just scrub out at F and M's or, or tournaments. Like they want to hear someone that at least one of the members that's actually really serious about doing well and what they're doing and that have legitimate advice. And and it's just really fun. I mean, I have a great time with the other three, or the other six, I would say. <laughs> and I also get the opportunity to get guests on, like Drew, Jerry, Chapin. Uh, we had Kelly Reed, Medina. We, we, we've had Big Head Joe. Like, we've had all these people, well, and I think normally well, I wouldn't get Chapin on if I didn't have the show. Well, let's let's get back to the whole big head Joe thing. <laughs> begged and pleaded, begged and pleaded, begged and pleaded. You wanted to be on your show. I what, I, <laughs> cra- what cracked open the door to say, "Ah, oh, the hell with this." I think I was always fine with whatever guest. I was actually I wanted him on from the get go. I was okay with that, but a lot of the times we felt we still didn't gel, and even at this time, I think we haven't gelled perfectly. It's still super hard. It's not like me and you right now in this interview where it's quite easy. I can just wait for you to finish your question and then answer. That show, we just talk over each other all the time. And that's why when we had guests on, I felt sometimes like, especially when we had Medina on, I would I would not become the silent assassin. I'd be like the dead assassin. I wouldn't even be on the show. So there was always that thought that we needed to mix it up with shows where we wouldn't have any guests so that, the A-team is the A-team, is the four people, is the fine. It's not like the trio or, or the duo. It's it's really the A-team. And to keep it that way, we still didn't feel like we could control Big Head Joe or we just had a bunch of show with guests, and, and that's the only reason why. And we, although we, I think maybe it was you or someone mentioned that it was becoming sort of asshole-ish to cut him for so long, but it was never meant, like, like I'm, I'm explaining myself, and ex- this is the exact reason why it took so long for him to be on. But on Crazy Talk, I think he was on episode one, even. So, that, that's pretty funny. <laughs> you guys have a great format, with the four of you, and there's really no reason, even half the time, to even have guests on. 
But if there's a week where you're light on content and you have someone that can be that dynamic personality to maybe just spark up some unusual conversations, that's when you want to pull in a guest. If you notice a lot of times, even with Manuscrewed, when we do it now, it's Jack Tangent myself. And when we just think we need that other voice, I'll pull someone in. And it may not be the same person. It's someone different. It's a rotating combination of people. But when we're looking for that odd voice to keep the conversation going, that's when I'll do it. And I think in many ways with you guys, that seemed to work well when you pull out the person and just let them go. Like you said with Jerry T., that was amazing. He just seemed like he was such in a natural environment with you guys. Right, and he barely knew any of us. <laughs> um. I think just to clarify, because you mentioned it's well-documented, just so people know like how I met Jerry, just just talking to him online and on MTGO, actually, when he was known, when he used the account Thage a lot. And I think that, you know, to si- sorry to sidetrack you, Rob, no. but I think a lot of people that, there's a lot of people that know, that think, I'm connected to all these pros, and they'll be like, Matt, can you ask Conley for his new decklist for me? Can you ask Jerry for his new decklist for me? Can you ask Chapin for his new decklist for me? I mean, um, I think the reason why Jerry connected with me is because I wouldn't always just ask him stuff. I would be like, hey, Jerry, check out this new Japanese innovation, or check out this, check out that. And so I, I, I didn't just ask him for tech every week. And maybe that's why he started to talk to me uh, more. Maybe maybe he'll listen to this cast and actually confirm this, and, or you'll ask him when you interview him. Yes. Um, <laughs> but I think that's why uh, he connected with me. I mean, obviously there's going to be thousands. Like, let's say national qualifiers was coming up, or nationals. You can bet you there's, like, hundreds of people asking him what to play. And I think that made a difference. Um, and so... I guess my advice to people out there is just to work on your own decks and just try to m- make a name for yourself on, on on your own terms and and or just provide don't you know just private message pros on Facebook so much that they end up having to not go on Facebook chat and make a public figure page just so you know they don't get spammed by you guys. <laughs> Making a public Facebook page. I actually did one for fun, but uh, I don't think I'm I'm gonna need one yet. No. No, not yet. I'm not that. I'm not that huge yet. Robert. You mean all the people <laughs> in Canada aren't like chanting your name? <laughs> I think we're heavily outnumbered by the Americans, so <laughs> not enough people to justify a Facebook page. At like, I mean, Drew Levin called me his fate on Twitter today. His by far. Hands down, his favorite Canadian. But I bet you if I asked him if he knew any other Canadian, he'd probably say no. <laughs> so, like, we're, we're like nobody here. <laughs> um, so that's just my advice. Is a lot of people just bug me. Like, instead of bugging pros now, they bug me to tell, ask me to bug the pros about deck list, which I sometimes do. <laughs> what has been the most unique question you've been asked so far when it comes to doing a favor or something like that? Huh. I, I don't. I can't think of one off the top of my head. It, it'd like, really be. Did anyone ask you to do something for Boston? Thankfully, no. I had 
I didn't have anybody ask me to uh, sign autographs or, or for them or anything. So, no, really, it's only always been deck lists. And, you know, it, it could be someone that I haven't talked to in a while. Like, I rarely get to talk to Conley anymore. I don't know. I think he's even been inactive on Twitter for a while now. Uh, well, actually, no. Recently, he's gone back on. But, like, for a period of time, he was gone. And, yes. like, people would ask me, and I'd be like, what am I supposed to do? Like, send him a Facebook message? Like, yo, hook me up or something. Like, I'm not going to do that. And then people get, I guess, maybe a little mad at me that I, that I don't do this. But I'm not going to spam the pros. <laughs> Did you look at Facebook and see what Conley's doing right now? Yes, yes. I, his uh, weight losing challenger yes. or whatnot. Yeah. Yes. Well, now it's officially joined by two other people, Sam Stoddard and myself. Oh my God! You joined? Absolutely. Wow. That's gonna be. Is there any requirements? Do you have to be a certain weight? Uh, you, you can't be skinny like you. <laughs> How much weight could you lose? Five pounds, and you'd be like skinny bone. Come on, man. <laughs> Actually, under, yeah, I mean, I, I do look skinny, but uh, I still need to, I don't need to lose as much as, like, me people people in that contest, but yes. you know, <laughs> I would still love to be motivated in some some uh, form, what and is hopefully. It, okay, what is it like, apologize, what is it like having a girlfriend and doing what you do? Does she ever go, you do what? Yeah, I think it's it's hard. The only reason why it's worked is because she works on weekends, and most of the tournaments are weekends, and so she can't say I'm choosing a tournament over her. <laughs> Whereas other people wouldn't be in that same situation. You'd be like, man, why why aren't we spending today together? Why are you going to this national qualifiers? Now that hasn't. I've been lucky that that hasn't happened. Um, that she keeps the same job, hopefully. But <laughs> I could see it being a problem. I mean, it's it's tough. Like sometimes, um, you know, the night of the tournament, she she would want to go out, but I'd want to test right for for nationals. Let's say, you know. Yeah, obviously. And it's a challenge. It's definitely a challenge. I I think others have maybe broken up because of spending too much time on whatever their hobby is, whatever their work is, and, and, and this is no different. It is definitely a challenge, and, and especially for guys like you or Scott who have wives and kids and, and et cetera, I mean, you guys really have to choose what you want to do with the game, uh, like how, how much you want to put in. And I think I'm, even now, I'm probably way too ambitious in, in terms of where I want to do with this game, and eventually it might come to bite me in the ass. <laughs> you say you're being very ambitious between the website, the podcast, right. the competitiveness, the fact that you did go seven two one in Boston. Right. Like, who does that? Who? The podcast? hours you put in. And right. you work full-time. It's not like you don't work. Right. You work I mean, full-time. Yeah, ideally, I mean, like, people who just focus on judging. They, like, people try to really focus on one thing. And, and I think, you know, you're doing an amazing job in terms of getting really good with these men of magics. And 
for me, I think it's going to be impossible to do all that I do right now, and I'm just going to have to um, suck it up and delegate some of the projects that I want to do um, because it's just it's just impossible. I mean, they want me to do coverage at the Ottawa uh, Canadian Magic Tour. That's the second event. That's on June 10th in Ottawa. We're going to be playing actually at Scotiabank Centre where the Ottawa Senators play. So that's going to be a sweet location. Oh, yeah. And, you know, that's that's going to be another thing. Like, do I want to play? That's why I, I tweet about it. Do I want to play or do coverage? It's a lot of conflict. It's like I feel like I'm back at university where you have to apply and choose what you want to be, like which, like, like I chose software engineer over other things that I, I could have taken, like a psychologist or whatever. So I, I feel like I'm in the same spot where, you know, time to make your choice. What's it going to be, KYT? <laughs> I don't think anyone would be offended if you kept focusing on playing. Because one of the things is that you have a distinct advantage over some of us that do the podcasting thing is you have age and time on your side where people like Scotty and myself and Chris Hotwell and... Tom from Monday Night Magic. We all have things that get in the way <laughs> and Definitely. Pre- prevent us from playing as well or doing as much as we'd like to do that way. The advantage of you is is you have an open window as far as right now in your life to do this, to be successful, to be one of the few people that do what you do and be successful in the actual game on a high level. I definitely agree with that. I mean... A year ago, I even tried to grind in and and play poker full-time, and that was my job for close to a year. And, you know, definitely I would never be able to do that if I was with, if I had a family, et cetera. I can't just, it'd be like, I could, but it'd be like super risky to be like, okay, guys, I'm going to be a professional poker player now. So right now I can definitely take have time to take, you know, stabs at certain things. And you're definitely right now would be the time for me. And that's why I'm, you know, usually half dead at work um, <laughs> because of my, all these ambitions that I have outside of my full-time job, which is mana deprived and, and trying to do well on, on the pro tour circuit. And I don't even know why I want to do well. <laughs> you talked about chess. I'm going to give you a little tease in my interview with Paolo. The game that Paolo plays well on a competitive level, outside of Magic, is I'll fill in a blank. It's a card game. I'll let you take a guess. Poker? No. Think high levels of concentration and thought. Oh, I've never played Bridge? Bingo. <laughs> exactly. He has played on the... Junior Tour, which is up to 28 for Bridge on that level, and went to explaining how difficult that is and how has chess, because they gave you garbage on it, and I played chess, so I had your back, even though a lot of people <laughs> joked you about it. How has playing chess helped you play better Magic? Definitely um, don't know why they hate on chess so much, but <laughs> just a little comment there. I definitely think magic is a lot geekier. (laughs) 
but that's a topic for another time. What are you um, saying? <laughs> yeah, I would never like they 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 say that you know all the magic players can get girls, but chess players can't. I mean that's ridiculous. Um, I played both, and I think I'm in, and I love both, and I'm playing magic now, so definitely love magic more. So I think I'm I'm able to give a more unbiased view than they are. Uh, if you know, I'm doing, I'm putting my heart and soul into magic now, but still saying that chess is less geeky. So, take my for- word for it, listeners. Um, anyways, how how it helped my game is just being able to look forward in time, uh, because chess obviously you have perfect information, magic you don't, unless you you play a peak spell, like the the new card, Gitaxian Probe, but then you'd also need to know what cards are going to draw and all that to have absolute perfect information. But just chess taught me to look more forward, and that's a problem that I see a lot of beginners have. They they just choose to attack or block on a sort of, they just look one turn ahead. Like, okay, this creature is going to die, and then they don't look to see that they might be dead to some, you know, a counterattack or whatever. They just don't look far enough, and... That's all chess has taught me. I mean, chess, usually you have a lot more time to think, and that might attribute to me being a somewhat slow player in Magic. (laughs) Um, But it's also helped me with my concentration, I guess. When you played chess on a competitive level, did you prefer to play with or without timers? I preferred to play with timers. I generally be... um, a faster player uh, than most people I played, except on the competitive scene. I, I still love the clock. It's It just adds an, an element to the game. It's always really exciting. Um, and I, At the TCG player event, people were really excited to see me and Alex play uh, with five minutes each, or, th- or then we went to three minutes each, and then we went in our last round, we, we played where we each have one minute each. And I felt that's really exciting from observant uh, point of view. People have this vision, like this uh, image of chess, where it's two guys, two really old geezers that, you know, stare at a board for an hour. So you just totally quash, squash that image by, like, playing these five-minute games where you're just playing and tapping the clock, playing and tapping the clock, and forcing yourself to play really fast, and you know, you're both going to make mistakes, but it makes for an exciting game for spectators. You said you tried poker. You've done the chess thing, and you're doing magic really well right now. Is there any other game you'd want to look at to go into maybe down the line? Oh, with the way magic is growing, no. At some point I even asked myself, told myself rather, that I would return to poker full-time at some point. And that doesn't look like it's going to happen with the success I'm having in the magic world and the sort of I don't know what's I don't even know what's happening in the U.S. in terms of poker. I know there's there's been a big news in terms of full tilt poker and poker stars getting you know in trouble in the oh, U.S. Yes. And I always saw that the poker in terms of health, the future of it wasn't you know obviously it's more popular. It's always going to be more popular than Magic, but. Um, you know, the future is in question in terms of making a living in that on that game online. I mean, 
if you don't have U.S. players playing the game, you know, that's definitely a huge hit. And so Magic is definitely 100% my focus. And with, with Wizards, their announcement to make more GPs, with their announcement that that shows that they're going to make an effort to promote this game, to reward the players that have helped this game for so long, um, that's really exciting news for me. That makes me want to put my faith in the game itself. I'm really scared about Phyrexian Mana, <laughs> I have to say. Why is that? I think, uh, like Kibler posted an article about this, where the game can be less strategic because now it's it's instead of being able to narrow down what the opponent has at a certain point in time, he can have a huge range of cards. Um, like he talked about how he could tell what morph creatures his opponent has, but now it's like they could they could have anything. They could have mental misstep this turn. They could have you know a bunch of stuff instead of looking at or one and tap mana and being like, okay, I just have to play around spell pierce. Now there's just like so many cards that you have to be aware of. And the fact that the color pool, color pie rather, is is just like broken sort of for for this set. You know, it's dangerous, but obviously Wizards has had a huge success since M10. So you have to do nothing but trust them. And that's what I'm going to do. Doesn't that provide for a a better player, an opportunity to, instead of, like you said, Kilbert could sit there and go, okay, I know he has this in his hand, to be able to go, okay, he has three mana up, what's the possibility of spells in his hand to go one, two, three, four, five, six? Wouldn't this separate the good players from the great players? Because the great players would go, okay, there's a possibility of those cards in my hand, so I want to play this instead. It might be. I think, yeah, it, it could be that, the, the wider range of possibilities will make it so that great players will, will be even more aware of the various lines that there are. But, uh, like, even Kibler's worried, so... And, you know, he's he's top of the line in terms of <laughs> a player, and if he's worried, then I'm definitely worried. <laughs> okay, because I would have thought that this would have been an opportunity for excellence to rise to the top to become dominant in a situation like this. I've been known to be wrong once or twice in my life. Uh, It's possible, right? The more complex a game is, the more range of skills there probably is, and hence the more chances the cream of the crop can take advantage of this environment. So we will see. Uh, Definitely uh, think that you have a good reason to believe that. What else is there for you to do now? If if someone came to you tomorrow and said, okay, KYT, here's the deal. I'm going to give you your golden ticket, and you are going to be able to do the Pro Tour. Pro Tour. You're going to be able to go to all the events. You're going to be able to go to Worlds, but you had to give up the podcast and the site. Wow. So, so that's like... The similar question that I'm, I'm being posed in Ottawa, it's hard. It's impossible for me. I wish I could do all of them. So ideally, I would be able to do the podcast and the site and with luck, a little bit of luck, qualify on my own without needing the golden ticket. But if I had to really choose, that's really too too hard. 
I'm giving you the golden ticket today. I'm telling you right now, this is it. You can go. You'll be able to go to Worlds. You'll be able to do all that. But all you got to do is give up everything you've built <laughs> right now to do it. That's so evil. <laughs> I've learned well from doing these interviews, man. When you're well, up to 30, 40, whatever I'm at, you learn well. So we're definitely in mat- we're definitely assuming that if I'm working on the site, that I won't make it to Worlds, right? We'd have to do that for this to be a tough decision. Yes. Because part of the original magic goal you know, uh, of mine and, and the original chess goal of mine was to be the world champion at some point, right? Yes. And it, you know, as a kid, it was never to become the, the best Canadian strategy website, to be the best, the funniest MTG cast there is out there. So with that, you know, goal, childhood goal in me, this is such a tough question. But the, I think I would definitely, if I had to choose, it would be the podcast and the site, but it's really tough. Okay. It's, I, it's an honest answer. I, I, it, I'm just looking for a straight-up honest answer. It's all I'm looking for. It's a hard answer because I feel that if I were to make it big in terms of my play skill, that I would be able to rise the profile of my site like never before. I can only go so far in terms of podcasting because I, I don't think that, like the podcasters, I get a lot of listeners, but they, they cater to a specific group of people, people that actually have office jobs and have time and, and need our podcast to get through the day. Yes. Whereas guys like Kibler, who who has actually tweeted that he'd never listen to a podcast, basically, that podcasts are not for him. But I think he's just, like, too big of a rock star, maybe, that, you know, his busy life, <laughs> getting all the women or whatever. The ladies. It's all about the ladies. <laughs> he's not like the rest of us that have full-time jobs where we're sitting in office and listening to, to, to cast. And that's why I think in terms of the audience, like, that's why Mike Flores listens to our cast. I, I think I'm limited in terms of how many people I can reach. And in that sense, that's why I would want to broaden um, myself and, and make it there. Like the people that, the trolls <laughs> that are in Gigi's Live is a total different audience than the people that listen to our cast. But I'm not sure I actually want that audience, you know, the, the trolls. There are trolls <laughs> yeah. out there? Really? I'd never know anything about that. But I definitely want to get the attention of other people. Like, LSV doesn't really know who I am. Or, uh, Kibler doesn't really know who I am. And, uh, hmm? Kibler knows who everybody is. <laughs> doesn't know who I am. Like, I saw him at SCG Boston. I, I didn't really know what to say to him outside of, you know, I, I really wanted to congratulate him on, on the success of Ascension. But, uh, was really busy, so decided not to say just, hi. <laughs> I have the largest podcast in Canada. <laughs> that doesn't mean anything. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean it doesn't? <laughs> do you know who I am? I have the largest podcast in Canada, and you'll like it. I think, I think since we're winding down soon, yes. I just want to get this a, a piece of advice for anybody who wants to start a site. Um, 
like mine because I feel out of anybody else out there. I mean, that's their full-time job. The people working behind Sean Fireball, that's their full-time job. Like, Star City Games, that's their full-time job. Like, anybody that's like me that has a regular full-time job and, and wants to start a site and wants to know how, it's just find your niche, and you really have to be lucky. And to put yourself to be in position to be lucky, just got to get to know people and become friends. Uh, because 10 years ago, I was friends with someone that had a cousin that worked at a store called Superstars in the U.S. And Superstars is the headquarters of Channel Fireball. Yes. And through that friendship, I was able to become really good friends with John Sasso, the owner of Channel Fireball. And by some luck, you know, that's why he was one of the sponsors, original sponsors of the A-Team, and that's how he was able to get me certain deck lists for Nationals. Uh, from LSV, when I needed them, he's like, he asked Luis, like, I have this good Canadian friend that I want to help out, you know, what lists do you have? And so I'm just coming up with this example to let people know that you got to be lucky sometimes, you know, but put yourself in a position to be lucky. That's the key thing. Like, I met, I know Robert Martin, and uh, I'm on Men of Magic. Example right here, I mean. Hey, but it took me 12 hours to get there. <laughs> what do you mean? Remember, I drove 12 hours up there just to meet you and Scott. Oh, Come oh, on, man. Oh, oh, oh. No, I mean, like, I, I met you on Twitter. Like, we just yeah. talked, and, and I think that's what you have to do. Connect with people, and you'll be surprised who these people are, who these people end up becoming, right? They could end up becoming a star and returning favors, uh, because you helped them in some way. I mean, you're just going to have to get lucky, and you will eventually. People know is, in case anybody wanted to know, yes, KYT is the silent assassin. <laughs> not on this show, though. <laughs> not, not on this show, but when we have him on Mascrude, a lot of times what he likes to do is he likes to listen. So he will join our podcast, and we will make fun of him because he is listening and not participating. <laughs> It's not It's not that we're being mean to him or anything like that. It's just that that's just, you know, we just have fun with him because we really enjoy his work. And on that note, you have promoted the shows correctly. Is there anything else you need to promote before we end this thing? Uh, nothing. Just really people who listen to CAST, please check out com. There's just so much work that I'm putting into it and trying to put unique content that you don't see uh, on any other site. Like, by far, I think we have the best MTG comics on the web right now. Is around. I will <laughs> agree with that. That even makes that I'm just like, damn. <laughs> so that's the goal here, to, to have unique content, because there's no way I'm going to compete with the other sites in terms of strategy and, and, and whatever those guys are doing. I just wanted to be one of your stops every day because we have something that those guys don't have. And just please support the site because I'm doing this pretty much for free and at a loss because I love the game. Well, and one of the things that you should also mention is that even if you enjoy the site, leave positive comments. I mean, you can leave negative comments to help improve the site, but if you really enjoy it, leave a positive impact, say, a comment, say, Really enjoyed the show, loved it when you talked about, or when 
when Jay Bush went off on blah, blah, blah. Leave comments because the, the way they know that they're improving or touching you correctly as far as getting you to listen more is if you're coming up with stuff that people know they like. Yeah. And if you leave positive comments back for them, that will help also. Also, negative comments help too. Sometimes. Uh, but in general, leave I, feedback. Absolutely. Like I said, some, some people really need that feedback to keep themselves going. I found out myself that the comments will come, so I don't need the comments. I just, I just know they will come, so I, I can keep going. But my other writers need that, so. Much appreciated. And, uh. Yeah, as long as Mike Flores keeps commenting. <laughs> you're fine. <laughs> you're perfectly fine. Uh, he's a, he's another one that, uh, we're planning to get on right around the release of his book. Oh, yes. So. I know Joey and Joe really attributed their success to him, and a lot of people have, even Chapin. And I'm gonna be another guy on that list. He's probably the main reason why I'm doing this interview. So, Well, like I said, Mike Flores has a way. He is the ultimate marketer. <laughs> and if he teaches us anything, outside of the fact that he can make deckless, he can make the craziest looking deckless work, is that he has taught the people in the magic community that if you can promote yourself, you can be very successful at something. Yeah, look at him. Oh, yeah, <laughs> I mean, the perfect example. I mean, he can get BDM to meet him anywhere. <laughs> and do this, it's, I mean, this is BDM. <laughs> right. Like, I know they're friends and stuff, but to think that, yeah, you know what, we're not going to do it in the office today. We're going to do it in, in a train station. We're going to yeah. do it at a bus stop. We're gonna, it's like we're going to have construction going on. That is the power of... Being able to promote yourself to a point of, you will come to me. And that's really cool. Yeah. So that's next. So next time we do this, we're going to do this at a bus stop or a <laughs> train station or something like that. But on that note, this is Robert from the Men of Magic with a, another fun interview, this time with KYT as affectionately known in my world as the silent assassin. Uh, Tanji told me he wanted me to ask you some rough questions, but I decided to be nice. <laughs> he said he'll sa- uh, I'll tell him we can save him for the show the next time you're on. So Excellent. Thank you so much for having me, Robert. Well, thank you for your time tonight, and uh, we will be listening to you now twice a week. Man, you're starting to get like <laughs> me. Stop it. <laughs> All right, thank you again for everyone listening for MetaMagic. We are, it's on. Let's make sure that we have it recording because I've lost last week's Mana Screwed. What? Oh, man. Yeah, and the worst thing about it is, is we had, <laughs> I guess I could tell you since I haven't found it yet. Um, <laughs> we had, we had, uh, uh, <laughs> the final question was, now that KYT qualified for Canadian Nationals, is Canadian Magic officially dead? <laughs> <laughs> what did you ask? Well, it was it was Jack, it was Jack and Tangent. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> of course, it's dead. What are you thinking? <laughs>
So I so I had to run with that and just oh my god. Oh, sorry. I just it was cuz you ta- you know, you were so happy about it. We were all so happy for you and I'm like this is perfect. This would be a great way to end the show. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta win it. Uh, well, yeah, because then you'll officially kill Canadian magic. It'll be dead. <laughs> Not that your boys will get in the way or anything like that. Um, 